Welcome to episode 85 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. There is no success without a successor. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. I'm going to do a few podcasts with you on leadership lessons from the book of Judges. You know, the book of Judges is a very interesting book because the chronology is very hard to cover. Most historians believe it covers from the death of Joshua to the installation of Saul as Israel's first king. So that's a period of about 400 years. And interestingly, it's not always written in chronological order because, you know, you had the 12 tribes and you really didn't have a federated government. So people were doing different things in different parts and the stories kind of go back and forth. But they tend to revolve around characters and certain circumstances and situations so we can extrapolate a lot of uh, God's work and how God used men and how men did or did not respond to the Lord. But I just want to start uh, actually with the book of Joshua, the very first verse, and then I'm going to read the very first verse in the book of Judges, and we'll look at the differences in those two. In Joshua 1, it says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, and it goes on and gives Joshua's instructions. Then we come over to the book of Judges, in the very first verse, and it says, Now it came about after the death of Joshua that the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? So when Moses died, he had a very clear successor, Joshua. But when Joshua died, the people didn't didn't know who to inquire of, and they just asked the Lord, you know, who is going to lead us? What is going to happen here? And so, you know, one of the questions you have to ask is, where's Caleb at in all this? Now, we know Caleb is still alive. We know he's still active. Actually, if you look in the book of Judges in the very first chapter in about the 20th verse, it says, and they gave Hebron to Caleb as Moses had promised, and he drove out from there the three sons of Anak. So Caleb was pursuing his inheritance. He was knocking out the sons of Anak. You know, there was still a lot of dominion today, even though they were in the promised land. And, uh, you know, by the way, Caleb's probably 85 years old at this point. Uh, according to Joshua 14, 10, uh, he was uh, waiting 40 years for his inheritance. And so, uh, you know, at age 85, he's demanding his inheritance and he and he's going forward. But you know, it really does raise a question. Why was Caleb not identified as Joshua's successor? Had Joshua had a successor, would the nation of Israel been in better shape? Would it have been a different legacy? And if Caleb wasn't the successor, who was a successor? Surely it wasn't God's plan to have no successor. So let's just look at maybe some of the reasons. And I think these are these are things to ponder leadership-wise. Could it have been Caleb's age? Did he think he was past his prime in 85? Or did they think he was past his prime? Surely Caleb had equity. People knew who he was. Uh, was it a matter of calling? Was Caleb maybe not called to be the successor? You know, this is something I've pondered a lot looking and 
looking at every biblical reference on Caleb and his relationships and what he did and what he didn't do, was Caleb the proverbial second guy? Was he the guy who had such joy in his heart to make Joshua a success? And were was it just assumed that when Joshua died that Caleb would step in, but maybe Caleb didn't feel that calling to do so? You know, and it raises a whole other set of questions. You know, when you look at people that are fruitful in business, in life, and I think even more so in ministry, you're going to find that these people have a second person. It may even be a series of second people, but many of them that were, you know, prolific had people that were with them for 20, 30, and 40 years on their staff that were just very fruitful. They really found their lane. They really had a place in God. Uh, they did not aspire to be the lead guy, but they aspired to be a leader and support the lead guy. Maybe that was a scenario with Caleb. Uh, we don't know. Maybe there was some prejudice involved. You know, Caleb is identified every time where it talks about his heritage as a Kenzite. Uh, and a Kenzite was a part of the Canaanite sect, believe it or not. And most uh, biblical historians believe that the Kenzites moved with the sons of Israel into Egypt, and they were part of their uh, servants, and they became uh, part of Jewish history. They become they became part of the Hebrews, even though they weren't Hebrews. So here you have Caleb, by the way, who's not a Jew. He's not a descendant of Abraham in the, in that biblical sense. But it, when it mentions him, it mentions him as a Kenzite, not a direct descendant of Jacob. Certainly not a direct descendant of of Abraham. So was there some prejudice against him possibly? Did or maybe was it was there a self-imposed limitation? I mean when you look at what Caleb's doing, knocking out the sons of Anak at 85, he certainly didn't lack for leadership. He certainly didn't lack for being a warrior, uh, being a renowned man. Maybe there was a mantle, maybe there was a lid that Caleb put on himself Maybe it wasn't that he was staying in his lane. Maybe he didn't get into his lane. These are all things we just need to consider and talk about. So by doing that, did he disqualify himself from serving? What's interesting is when you go to Judges, the third chapter, and the seventh verse, because Israel has been leadership or without leadership now for some time, and it says, the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. Remember, when you see Baal, that is synonymous with infant sacrifice. So they had indeed fallen a long way. They had really fallen back into uh, literally demonic worship. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of the Cushan Rishatham, king of Mesopotamia, and the sons of Israel served Cushan Rishatham for eight years. Can you imagine 40 years in the wilderness? Then you come into your land that you've got to beat the giants back, and you are so reproachable to God that you become slaves again in your own territory. 
And then verse 9 says, When the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the sons of Israel to deliver them, Othaniel, the son of Kenz, Caleb's younger brother. Isn't that amazing? So the first judge we see take the mantle is Caleb's younger brother. How did that come about? You know, there's really no history. There's really no commentary on how that happened. Obviously, again, Caleb must have had something really under his wings for his brother to be discipled, to look at him, to want to be like him in some respect. It does say he was his younger brother, so maybe there's a clue. Maybe the age was a factor. Maybe the other leaders disqualified Caleb, or maybe he disqualified himself by his age. Uh, but apparently he was still able to fight the sons of Anak. And, and then it says, uh, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. This is Judges 3.10. And he judged Israel. When he went out to war, the Lord gave Cushman Rishatham, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand so that he prevailed over Cushman Rishatham. And the land had rest for 40 years, and Othaniel, the son of Kenz, died. So here's Othaniel, who was Israel's first judge, and they did great under his leadership. He conquered the enemy, brought 40 years of peace, and he brought 40 years of blessing. And then the same thing repeats itself. And it says, after he died in verse 12, now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So again, we see no successor. There's nobody that's identified. There's, there's something that is broken. Moses had Joshua, and that was a clean handoff. Joseph, or Joshua was able to take the children of Israel and finish the last leg of the journey and pronounce victory and inspire many to go forward and conquer their annex. Yet here we see that Othaniel steps up has 40 years of great ministry, but no successor. You know, the old saying, there's no success without a successor. The leadership lesson here and throughout the book of Judges is there are sporadic people that are raised up and they do great for a season, but without a successor, there's not a sustained legacy. Lesson number one here is we've got to build on the legacy that was before us. We do not have to recreate the wheel we can learn. I always like to say every test is an open book test. If you read the book, if we know history, if we know God's dealings with people and nations and countries and churches, there's a lot we can learn. So leadership lesson number one is where was Caleb? Why was he out of the race, even though he was still apparently a viable candidate? Are you in your lane? Are you settling for less or are you striving outside your lane? These are questions that need to be settled with you and the Lord, but they're great questions. Hey, this is Keith Tusi with Leadership in Context. Uh, thanks for spending time with us today. God bless you. Today, Keith began a discussion on leadership lessons from the Book of Judges. Remember, without a successor, there is not sustained legacy. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. 
If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at Pastors. See you next week.